Welcome to the new podcast for WGTS 91.9's Gateway Fellowship, a place that is about inspiring hope. You can find out more about us and hear more messages at MyGatewayFellowship.com. Well, good evening, everyone. It has been a rough week for the family of WGTS with the loss of two individuals who are very important to Pete and to Terry. And it is for that reason that I'm here filling in, and I would like to be here under different circumstances. But God moves things in different ways and allows things to happen for a reason. And I'm thankful that Pete and Terry and I are friends and that I can fill in for my friends. I was asked by Raina, she said, we want you to speak. And what's interesting for a pastor is when you give a pastor a certain topic to speak on, See, a lot of times what a pastor will do, I'm giving you the inside scoop here of what a pastor does, and he'll get down on his knees and he'll say, Lord, what do you want me to speak about next week? And we wait, we, we get a message from where? We get a message from the Holy Spirit of what we're to preach. Because what we preach to is we preach to what God wants us to speak to those who are going to be listening. But Raina called and she said, Pastor Dean, would you be willing to, to speak? I said, yes, I, that would be an honor to do so. I have a topic for you. I thought, oh, no, I'm being assigned a topic. And she said, we need you to speak on God is faithful. And I thought, and I thought on it, and I thought, that's that's a good topic. Uh, It's completing a series, and then the more that I put this together and came tonight, I realized this this was what the Holy Spirit had chosen weeks ago before we got to this night right here. You know, they say that there are two things in life that you can count on. It's unfortunate, the two things that they say you can count on. One, they say you can count on paying your taxes. And as you know, April 15th just went and and passed, and how many of you had to pay taxes and felt that the wallet get thinner and thinner as the government's wallet got thicker and thicker? But they say the other thing that's for sure and for certain is death. Neither one is pleasant. But I want to share with you tonight the one thing that I know that you can count on that's good news, that you can count on for sure, and that is this. God is a constant like no other. Let's pray. Lord, as we share, these are not my words, these are yours. And someone tonight, most of us, came looking for hope, came looking for a reason, came looking for a belief. And we hope and we believe and we trust that in you we will find it. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. It was July 16th, 1999. He disappeared. He was due to arrive at Martha's Vineyard with his wife, Carolyn, and his sister-in-law, Lauren, but John F. Kennedy Jr. didn't show up. It took several days, and finally, on July 21st, they found his plane with the bodies of John F. Kennedy, Carolyn, his wife, and Lauren, his sister-in-law, off the coast. He had chosen to fly his little piper from New York, and rather than following the coastal route, which would be the best route to take, he had taken the route that was straight across to Martha's Vineyard that would take him over 30 miles of water. They attributed his accident to his inability to fly without instruments. 
You see, there's a couple different ways that you can be approved. One is that he was licensed to fly visual flight regulations, meaning if you can see the horizon, you can fly. Because you need to be able to see where you're going. You need to be able to see your altitude. You need to be able to see your directions. And then you need to be able to, if you're not able to see clearly those things, you need to be IFR, which is instrument flight regulated, meaning you trust the instruments when you can't trust your eye, what you're going to see ahead of you. And the pilots that were flying that night said this, it was hazy and there was no visual horizon when you were flying over the water, which means if you got yourself caught off balance, you would lose your altitude and your direction, which is apparently what happened to John F. Kennedy Jr., when his plane crashed into the ocean. The instruments on a plane are the most valuable instruments that a pilot has at his disposal. Because when you can't see clearly in front of you, to the right of you, to the left of you, behind you, you need to look at the instruments and trust that they are there to tell you what's going on. It's good to be a pilot to fly a plane, but it's even better to be able to fly by instrument, which is to fly by Blindness, so to speak. A, a pilot who's trained IFR would be able to put a black cloth over the windshield of the cockpit of his plane and fly solely by the instruments, seeing nothing ahead of him. The true test of a pilot being able to do that is being able to fly instruments and see nothing else around him, looking straight down at the instruments and looking straight down. He can trust. I can land here. I know what I'm doing. Even though the mind might be saying something else, the instruments are telling you what to do. You know, I think, to me, it's kind of a lot like life. A lot of ups and downs. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe I'm the only one who came tonight that has this problem. I get high on the mountain, and then I get low in the valley. Anybody else have that problem? And, and, and you see, it's kind of like going above the clouds when I'm up on the mountains. I mean, I'm flying high. Woo, life is good. Man, how, how many of you get like that exhilarating feeling of being up high on the mountain? You say, man, life, there is nothing that can go wrong in my life. It is so good. God is, and when, when that's happening, God is awesome, right? And we're singing, I will, I will praise God. We're singing praise and worship music. And we're, we're, we're all excited about God. We're going to tell everybody, hey, you know what God did for me? Woo, I got to tell you about my best friend, God. He is awesome. And then, but something trips us up and we end up in the valley. Like, Man, where is God? I don't feel like singing praise and worship music right now. I sing, I feel like singing, woe is me. Anybody else ever feel like that? Maybe you came tonight and you kind of feel like that. But here's what I've learned the hard way. While my life may do this, God is rock solid and steady. He never changes. He didn't go up when I went up. He didn't go down when I went down. He stayed the same. And so the challenge of my life is to echo his line of consistency with my belief and action. Our circumstance change, but God never changes. Why do I know that? Malachi 3.6. It says, I, the Lord, what? You can you, talk back to me, folks. I, the Lord, what? Do not change. If there's one thing in life that's for sure, it's change, isn't it? I mean, 
not the change you get back in your from the from going to the dollar store. I'm talking about the ever-present change that goes on in your life. I mean, it's one thing, it's another. Your job changed, your financial situation changed, your, your relationships changed. But God says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you can count on me because I don't change. James 1.17, James wrote, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Ever gone out? I love the evening when the, when the sun starts coming through the trees and you get that, the different hues, the different colors. You ever notice that the shadows start moving and changing? I love going out and doing photography when that's happening. But God's, God does not shift and change like the shadows. James said he is solid, consistent, ever-present. We don't like shifty people, do we? We, we don't like people that, that move and change with the situation and the circumstance. God doesn't change. Our circumstances may change, but God does not. But let's reflect back a little bit more because this is one of my favorite texts in the Bible. This is when God had an appointment with Moses up on Mount Sinai. He said, listen, I want you to set the Israelites aside. They've come out of Egypt. They've come across the Red Sea. It's time now to hand hand down the Ten Commandments. And so God says, hey, Moses, you and I, I've got an appointment set for us. And, it, and, and what I like about what it says in Exodus, listen to this. It says that, that Moses was acquainted with God as a friend. The, the, listen to me. The God of the universe was a friend with Moses. And, and Moses had the courage and audacity to say, I want to see your face. I want, I want to look you eye to eye. And God said, no man can see me and live, but let, I got to deal with you. Let's take you, and we're going to put you over here in the rock. And we're going to push you in, lock you in, and I'm going to walk by you. And this is what happened when he did. As, Exodus 34, 6, And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love, and what? Faithfulness. Now, I want, to, I want you to listen to this key word here because this is where we're going to focus on for the next 10, 15 minutes. Faithfulness. You see, some people love graciously sometimes. Some people are compassionate sometimes, right? Some people are slow to anger sometimes. But then they flip, right? And they're not so loving, and they're not so compassionate, and they're not so gracious, but God says, I'm all these things, and then I'm faithful, which means that all the things that I said I was previously, I will be always. Are you hearing me? I'm faithful. He attached that last adjective, I'm faithful. And I make all these other things stand true forever. Right out of God's mouth. Can you believe what God says? Yeah, because First Titus, Titus 1-2 says, God cannot lie. Amen. So if you can't lie, when God said, this is what I am, I'm faithful, you can trust what he says. So what does faithful mean? Well, let's look at old Merriam-Webster. It says, true to one's word, steady in allegiance, loyal, constant, reliable, trusted, believed. That's what it means to be faithful. But in the Hebrew root word that you see numerous times throughout the Old Testament, the Hebrew root word is aman. 
which from that word, if we can get to that slide, is believed, sure, verified. Meaning we can verify that everything that God says he is, is done so based on what he said he is. He's faithful. He's a man. He can be believed. He is sure. He is verified. It's like having your driver's license. If people, if, how many of you write on the back of your credit card, check ID? Yep. And so they want to check your ID. Oh, verified. You are who you say you are. You look who you, who you say you are. You're trusted. You're sure. You're verified. And that's what God is. That's what that word aman means. So of all the things that God is, he's loving, he's gracious, he's kind, he's compassionate. He's above all, he's faithful. Because without this faithfulness, everything else would come into question. So David, in writing the Psalms, now I, I looked, I was, I was, as I was studying this, I was quite surprised. There's almost 40 times in the book of Psalms that David refers to God as faithful or faithfulness. I'm going to give you four of them right here. Psalms 26.3, David said, For I have always been mindful of your, what? Unfailing love and have lived in reliance on your faithfulness. Psalms 33.4, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is, he's what? Faithful in part of the things that he does. In all the things that he does. Psalms 89.5, The heavens praise your wonders, Lord. Your faithfulness, too, in the assembly of the holy ones. And then the last one of David, Psalms 108.4, For great is your love, higher than the heavens, your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Now, how many of you have ever read the Message Bible? That is one of my favorite versions. Get it. If you don't have it, it's great to read. I like what Eugene Peterson puts here in this verse, 108.4. He says, every cloud is the flag to your faithfulness. You see, David knew through that relationship, God is faithful. There's nothing we can do to change who he is. Can we change God? We can't. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, he remains, what? Faithful. He cannot disown himself. You and I cannot change how God thinks how God is, how he acts, how he feels. That is good news. You say, well, I'd like to be able to twist God and make him love me a little bit more. You can't make him love you anymore. He loves you already more than anyone else would ever love you. And, and, and listen to me. When Satan's whispering in your ear, he says, hey, he doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. You can tell Satan you get away because there's nothing I can do to make God change his mind about me. He still loves me. He is faithful to who he is. And you tell Satan to get away. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. So, so we get that God's faithful. How many of you can say, raise your hand and say, what you've read, Pastor, from what you've told me so far, I believe that God is faithful. How many of you can raise your hand with that assurance? Everybody ought to be raising their hand. God is faithful. Say it with me on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. God is faithful. All right. So what, is it, what good does it do? Let's put the rubber to the road. Because when I, when, when I close up sermons, I want to know, how does it apply to me? When, when, I, when I walk out of here and I'm preparing for this coming week, all the things that are going to happen, how does it apply to me? First of all, I want to talk to the... If, did any sinners come tonight? Oh, I, I'm one of them, so I'll just stand right here and say, I'm a sinner. You know, I'm, I'm going to be very honest. There are some times 
There are some times when I sin and I feel like, man, I have blown it. I've blown it. There's no way that God could love me. There's no way that God could ever do anything to take me back. Nothing. But then I read this text, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So the first thing is that God forgives. He's faithful to forgive. You come with your sin. You confess. Say, Lord, you know what confess means? Confess means to agree. God already knows you sinned. So you're not, you're not bringing him a surprise. You say, Lord, I confess I've sinned. Forgive me. And you know what I like about God? God has short-term memory issues. When you confess your sins, he forgets immediately. Amen? You're the one that's dragging it around in your backpack. But he gave it up already the moment you confessed. But he is faithful. So if you came tonight and you say, you know what? I, I, I got this big burden of sin. I got this big, it's weighing me down. And, 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 I, and I don't know what to do with it. Turn it over to God because he's faithful. He will forgive. He's just waiting for you to agree with what he already knows. And he'll wipe that sin out of your life. Gone forever. The second thing that applies to our lives is, I don't know about you, but I get tempted. Now I'm a man. Now I'm gonna, I'm, uh, this is for all the men. Men, we got a problem. Whenever a beautiful woman walks by, we, 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 our eyes tend to go that way. Isn't that, isn't that a shame? But that's, you know, men, God created us to appreciate the beauty of all you women. Okay? It's not the first look that gets you. It's the second and third look that'll do you in. So we can appreciate your beauty the first time. But when we get tempted beyond that, you know, sometimes, guys, there there been, there been a lot of hammering on, uh, on Congressman Andrew Weiner. Okay? Now, he brought it upon himself, but he was tempted just like all the rest of us. And I, and I read a pastor's blog last night, and he says, before you get too hard on him and give him a hard time, look in the mirror and see what God might be telling you yourself. I get tempted. But I've got some good news. If you've, none of you have ever been tempted. I can tell just by looking at you, none of you have ever been tempted. I don't talk into the wrong group. But just in case, there's one other person that came tonight with the same problem that I've had. 1 Corinthians 10.13 is your text. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, that's good news to me. There isn't anything he's going to put in your life that you can't handle by his grace. You say, oh, but I've keep failing. You know what? Maybe you quit trusting. He already promised he's faithful to let you get you through it. If you're not making it through the temptation, it wasn't because God didn't give you the ability to do it. It's because you chose not to go through it. Romans 3.3. 3. You say, I've been unfaithful to God. You know, I, I, you, you know I, I've sinned, but you say he forgives. And I've been tempted, and I, I keep messing it up. But I, I, don't, I just don't understand how God can do that. Well, Romans 3.3, 3 and, and Paul says this too. What if some were unfaithful? Hmm? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? I can just see Paul shouting it out now. Not at all. Woo! Isn't that good news? Man, you can't do anything to make God unfaithful. He is and he will be. 
But you say, but I was like this. That doesn't change who God is, but he can change who you are. Are you hearing me? There's nothing you can do to change who God is, but if you allow God to do it, he will change who you are and the outcome of your life. God's faithfulness remains intact no matter what you and I do. So how do we respond to God's faithfulness? Let me think about this. As we're, we're wrapping this up here. When Satan's tempting us, when Satan whispers in your hey, he doesn't love you. He doesn't care. When there's no hope for a job, been un- unemployed, maybe you're getting ready to lose your job. You're in, a, you're in a tangled situation, maybe of your own doing. There seems to be no way to untangle yourself. You've lost someone you love, like Terry and Pete have this week. Trials and issues in life. You, you, you know, we look at these things, it's the ups and downs, and we say, ah, how can he be faithful? Because all I see is, is right here in front of me. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promises is faithful. Hold fast. Hold on. When you feel like giving up, grab on tighter. When you think there's no hope, keep going forward. You know, one of the things, I, I, I think we all do, I love the sun. I love getting up on a sunny day. Man, nothing gets me all cheered up more than waking up. I get a, we, we got a dog. She's a six-month-old English Springer Spaniel. And she loves to, in the, about 5.30 in the morning, she starts barking in her cage. It's time to go out. Unfortunately, we, I set her body clock too early. And so she starts whimpering, and then if I don't get up, she'll start barking. And I, but I love it when I go outside, and it's about in the 60s, and the blue sky, and, and I said, man, it's going to be a gorgeous day. But then I get really depressed and discouraged when I get up, and, and, and the skies are cloudy. But you know what I like best of all is, is when, you, when you get ready to take off, you're in a plane, and it's raining, and it's nasty, and it's just gross. I've even flown out of Chicago when it was snowing. And then you raise up, and you come, it's all hazy, and it's all foggy, and, and, and then you rise up above the clouds, and bam, there's the sun. It was shining all along. You see, that's, that's, listen to me, that's the way God is. It may be cloudy, the job, the finances, the marriage, loss of a loved one, that might be what it is, but that's not who God is. God is a consistent, radiant sun shining in your life, saying through all the clouds, through all the issues, everywhere you are, everything you're going through, I'm here, I'm present, I will never change. You can count on him, period. You say, but I don't want, I can't, I don't, I won't, I shouldn't. But you could, and you can, and you should, and you will. If you'll just allow it to sink in that he's faithful. Ken Crockett plugs us in to the key component to to putting God as faithful and and connecting it to our lives, and it's just one word. The Lord doesn't always let us in on what he's doing, but trust fills the gap when we don't understand. you got to trust that he's faithful. It's trusting that the sun is still shining behind the clouds even when I don't see it. It's trusting that God is present even in the middle of death and pain, in the middle of my job loss, in the middle of my financial loss. I lost my house and my car. My wife has walked out on me. My husband's walked out on me. 
But God is still present. I had, the, I, had the, I had fun this past Monday morning at the prayer and praise time. I, I, when they find out there's a pastor present, people want to talk to the pastor. And at the first call I got was from a lady. She said, I want to let you know a praise. Two months ago, my husband said, I'm leaving you. I'm done. I'm out of here. And left my two kids, and he walked out the door. And she said, I just turn it over to God because I believe that God is faithful to his word, and he will honor what I have given to him. And three weeks ago, my husband walked back in and said, I was wrong. Forgive me. Can we go to counseling? And we've already gone to counseling. But for every that call, I got five other calls. My marriage is falling apart. I have no hope. But I would say to them, God is faithful. Can I pray for you? Trust, trust, trust that what he says he is, he will do. It's that key component of trust. I'm going to have you go back one slide in the picture of the F-15. The story by Desert Storm pilot Lieutenant Colonel Jeff Patton. He flew an F-15 on the first raid of the war during Desert Storm. How many of you are old enough to remember Desert Storm? Some of you are too young. But Desert Storm was the first time that we went against Iraq. And that was when Saddam Hussein decided he wanted to overtake Kuwait. And George Bush, the first president went with the coalition and attacked Iraq, chased them back out of Kuwait, but, but we had what was called Desert Storm. And, and Lieutenant Colonel Jeff Patton, he had a responsibility that first night. He was to lead a squadron of other F-15 fighters to bomb the chemical plants of the Iraqis. Because they believed that in those chemical plants were the were, were weapons that would be, cause damage to the coalition. And as he was he was honing in, it was dark. They waited for a moonless night. There was you couldn't see anything. You had to trust the instruments. And as he was flying and honing in, all of a sudden he got a, a, a an alarm came up on his dash. Beep 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 beep. He had gotten locked in by Iraqi weaponry. And all of a sudden, he had to start doing evasive movers. <laughs> to the left, to the right, up, down, and it locked on. Finally, by the time he got all done, his, he, you ever go around in circles and get dizzy? That happens on a plane, too. He was so disoriented, he didn't know what he was doing. And he thought, I am in a, I'm going nose up at a 60-degree angle. But his instrument said, you are going at almost a complete nosedive. Pull up. And he wrestled right there at that moment. He wrestled. Do I trust my brain or do I trust the instrument? My brain is telling me I'm going up in a dive. I mean, I'm going up high at an angle, banking, and I need to come back down a level. But the instrument is telling me that I'm going into a nosedive. And he wrestled with it in just those milliseconds. And finally he said, I'll trust the instrument. And he grabbed the yoke. And he pulled up. He was within three seconds of crashing into a mountain. The other pilot said, you were doing a complete nosedive at 60 degrees, and you were headed right into the mountains when you pulled up. And as he pulled up, they watched. They thought, he's gone. He's gone. You know, this is what I want to leave you with tonight. Maybe you're in that circumstance in your life right now and you're saying, you know, I'm so, I'm so out of balance. I don't know which way's up. I don't know what's left. I don't know what's right. I don't know what's right. 
I don't know what's wrong. But I can tell you that the cross shines through of God's character and his faithfulness in all things. You can trust God. You can trust him. I'm not sure what you came with tonight, but I hope you'll leave with this. He's faithful. He's faithful. He loves you with an everlasting love. He is compassionate beyond any person you will ever meet. He is gracious, more than graciousness can ever be explained. And he said, I'm all these things. And it ties all together because I'm faithful. And so I'm not sure again what you brought tonight. But I hope that what you will leave here is your doubts and your fears. And you'll walk away with trust and belief. Wherever life's journey is taking you, we hope you can find a home at Gateway Fellowship, a ministry of WGTS 91.9. We'd love for you to visit us sometime. Services happen each Saturday evening at 6. You can learn more about us and get more podcasts at mygatewayfellowship.com.